Hey, Derek Sheridan from Rust Belt Basketball Coaches Network. Coach Wayne Brooks and I are here, and we are stoked. We have Rodney Idlewine, who's going to spend some time with us this evening. And Coach Idlewine has coached for some of the all-time legends in the state of Ohio. Those legends, just to name a few, being... Indiana. What's that? State of Indiana. Yeah, state of Indiana coaching legends. Some of those being Coach Basil Malby, who's notorious for his deliberate style offense and his 2-3 zone defense. Jerry Baumholt, who is the master of the 1-2-2 zone defense that he so affectionately calls Zorro. And Coach Wayne Brooks. Rodney was on Coach Brooks' staff twice, is that right? Two separate times, yeah. Wayne? Riverton yes, South Platte. Yeah. Yeah. Riverton Park. Yep. And he was on the staff with Matt Luce, Pat Rady Jr., and Chip Mahaffey. That's a name I hadn't heard in a long time. Chip Mahaffey at Winchester. And Brian Barber. I hadn't heard that name in a long time either. So, Coach Idlewine, thank you so much for spending some time with us this evening. And we're going to turn this thing over to you. And then uh, Coach Brooks and I will have some questions for you. And I'm sure I'll either have some people texting me or maybe even have some people join us here. But the show's yours, my man. Hey, absolutely. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me. Um, uh, you know, I know Coach Brooks reached out to me the other day and, and asked if I'd be willing to do this. And I was a bit... You know, I really didn't think anybody really cares what I have to say about basketball <laughs> these days. But um, I love to talk X's and O's. I was very fortunate when I was younger. I started right out of high school and I got to work for a lot of great coaches and meet a lot of uh, great connections through, you know, through various coaches that I worked for. Um, <clears throat> when I was when I first started grasping X's and O's and I still believe that that the best defense out there is the pack line defense. I, I the man to man pack line defense, in my opinion, is great. I mean, it just provides zone principles in a man to man situation. Excellent rebounding out of it, and I was obsessed with it. Um, you know, after learning a lot of it from Coach Brooks, I, I continued to you know read from you know Dick Bennett and anybody who had a connection with Dick Bennett. Um, I just I learned everything I possibly could. And I felt like I became a pretty good uh, coacher of the pack line defense. Um, I think when I went down to Southwestern, uh, the Hanover, I was, co I had coached JV for a couple years and, and had grown frustrated by the seven to six halftime scores. And, and, and the, the games were so close and it seems like we were, we could never get away from anybody. And, you know, that that was a part of my frustration, I guess, with the pack line a little bit. And then when I was working for Pat Rady, uh, Pat Rady, Pat Rady Jr., I want to, he introduced me to uh, Paul Patterson. His dad was a friend of, of Paul Patterson, who was the Taylor University coach for years. And and Paul Patterson is, is probably as a good of pack line coach as anybody. And so... I started going to Taylor's practices and watching them and, and just question after question of, of what he was doing. And he made the comment to me, he said, you know, 
this is great for us. You know, this is great for us because we have a shot clock. And he said, if I was coaching high school basketball, I would probably play a lot of zone. And in and, and being because you don't get to recruit your players and high school officials are, are inconsistent in being a high school official for the last 10, you know, eight to 10 years here, I, I know exactly what he's talking about. And you guys do too. You know, there are great officials that let you play and there are, there are some officials who are going to nitpick and, and put people in, in foul trouble. So after that, I was kind of frustrated. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do now? You know, you know, I got one of the best coaches in, in history um, telling me that I need to play zone uh, if I'm going to coach high school basketball. And about the same time, I started playing against Jerry Baumholtz's zone defense. And, you know, they played a 1-2-2. I'd, I'd been familiar with a 1-2-2. But going into that game, that when we played them as, a, as an assistant coach, the pressure, I mean, you could feel the pressure on the sideline. And it was, it was, we had no answer. We had no answer. We were able to run the set plays and all that great stuff that you draw up just wasn't working because of the pressure and the intensity uh, of their, of their zone defense. At that time, I didn't have the opportunity to work for Jerry. I was able to go work for or coach Malby for a year, which was a, a, a obviously another zone defense um, that I felt like I really needed to learn. Obviously, different than Jerry's one, two, two, but I went up there, I worked for a year. Um, at the time I was given a, a teaching schedule that was, wasn't the friendliest, um, for, for being an assistant coach for, you know, a guy who was, was demanding and stuff. So that, that was frustrating. So I only stayed a year. I only, I only got to work for Basil for a year, but I wrote down everything I could, even if I didn't understand it, I, I kept writing it down and, and, I wanted to learn as much as I can. And, and I really, working for Basil, I really started grasping the concepts of, of zone and, and how to beat zone and, and, and how to play zone. Um, so that was that was really uh, incredibly beneficial. When I moved back down south, um, I ended up working for Jerry for two years and and learned the one, two, two. And, and a lot of the defenses is uh, that a coach chooses to run is based on your personality. And I fell in love with the one, two, two. I mean, I just, I loved it. I loved the pressure that, you know, that you could put on teams with it. Uh, it made sense to me. You know, my, my brain likes to keep things even, you know, I like my twos and fours to be on the right and my threes and fives to be on the left. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, that's the way <laughs> I, 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 I've always seen the game and, um, I don't like a, a odd, you know, I, I've never been a big two, one, two offensive fan just because of that concept. So the one, two, two really played into me. Um, I learned a lot from it, uh, or from coach Baumhold. I, I was spent two years with him and then I went out and became a head coach on my own. Um, and I actually, to be honest with you, I, I, I ran the one, two, two, um, solely, uh, for about uh, almost um, two years before I started playing again around with the 2-3 zone. And um, I was a head coach for four years. You know, uh, I ended up getting out of uh, being a head coach just because of, uh, 
you know, I was just frustrated and, and angry all the time. So I was like, you know what, this might be uh, not for me. So I did get out of, of being a head coach, but I always loved X's and O's. And, and when I was young, that's what, I mean, X's and O's to me fixed everything. So I, it was definitely my strength as a the X and O side of, of things was definitely my strength, um, making parents happy um, and, and promoting myself and things is not my strength. And, and that is obviously what is valued was becoming more valued at the time. And, and, and the game has changed and, and, and I'm not so sure I should be a, a head coach in high school. But I love to talk X's and O's. I love to talk X's and O's and defense. I could, I could, you know, if people wanted to hire me, I could, uh, I would love to create defensive game plans and, and stuff like that. Because out, outside of the X's and O's of, of old school basketball, I don't really in, in, enjoy um, a lot of those changes. So we can move in to, to talking about X's and O's. Um, I threw up the one, two, two here. Okay. There's, it's not, um, and as you can see, you guys can read through this as it's been up there for a while. I think <clears throat> the responsibilities is a huge portion of this, the personnel, understanding where to put your player. I don't know in a one, two, two zone, if you can necessarily use a big, lugging center i just you know jerry said he would do it uh, no matter who he had he would always run the one two two but i never seen him use that type of center so you know those two when you think about those two post players that four and five you're thinking about your linebackers your guys that can move that can fly around um, but are strong and aggressive that can rebound and then i think when you think about your twos and threes you're thinking about um, you know, you're thinking about your defensive backs, you know, quick, you know, that can move, but can also still be physical. And then your one is probably where you, you know, it's great to have a lengthy guy up there. But for me, when I was coaching, we were, we always kind of hit our small point guard. Um, you know, I've heard people also say that's a great place to put the superintendent's son too, if you have to play. Um, but the, you know, he has probably the least, uh, physical part uh, of, of the game or of the, of the zone. Okay. Now, I don't know if we want to go through each pass. I mean, I, I don't know if, if, if that's something that you want to do. Um, yeah, but I will through it. take okay. us through it. <clears throat> so that one, as you can see the, the dashes right there on, on the court, um, four and five has everything below the volleyball line. Okay. Below that volleyball line, is is where you want them to stay okay they need to fight like crazy to to fight through screens and get from corner to corner this is not a point drop zone i know that there are a lot of coaches who've had a lot of success with a point drop zone uh, this is not that this is a a, a traditional one two two and the fact that in that your wings do drop down and become basically that forward when the ball goes to the corner or into the, to the um, wing. Now I wish we were in person. It would be great to be able to show you, you know, hand positioning. And, and, and I think that's a big part of it. So when you look, when, whenever I taught the zone, I always started with the ball in the corner. 
because every zone looks the same when the ball's in the corner. And you've got to be able to decide how you're going to be able to guard the ball in the corner and then when it comes out. So right there, you can see with the four on the ball, the five dead fronts. Okay, the five will dead front, you know, like we used to do in the pack line, we would dead front. Now there's different arguments. And I think coaches, this is the difference in the two, three zone and um, the one, two, two, because, you know, Basil really didn't dead front that, that strong side post, but you want to dead front that the two, okay. The two has a hand in the paint or ready to deflect if the ball attempts to if they tried to get it in there or if they pin the five down um two will have a hand in the post and, and you, you know you got to kind of throw out man-to-man -man principles here because you got one hand ready to close out on the wing and one hand inside ready to to deflect anything that goes under that three this is what this is what i don't like about the one two two zone okay there's there's things i like about the the two three and there's things i like about the one two too, but this is what I don't like. That three, you get he has to be physical. And this is this is becomes a personnel situation. That three has got to be able to not, you don't want him all the way down there. You don't want him to come all the way down to that post and, and level up with him like you would a, a forward wood in a two-three zone. But you got to have a hand ready to get down there and be physical with that backside that backside uh, forward and then be able to come out and cover on a skip pass. One drops down and, and one would help if, if there is for some reason, I know when I was with Jerry, uh, man, we were in the regional championship and six points, six points from beating Hauser and Hauser at the time had a kid by the name of Bobby Joliffe and Bobby, Bobby Joliffe went, yeah, I think he ended up playing at Evansville and Hauser ended up winning the state title that year, but there was three consecutive possessions in the fourth quarter where they able to lob that ball right over the five's head. And that our number one just couldn't get there. He just couldn't do it because the kid was six, eight. And that, and that was, that was difficult, but we were able to make an adjustment there to get that stopped, but it was just, it was too little too late. And we ended up losing that game. You don't anyway, asking, what what was the adjustment? Uh, we ended up, <clears throat> I think, if I remember correctly, ended up instead of dead fronting him, having him come to the bottom. And it's not something that he did very often, but I, I do believe that we, instead of dead fronting him, just getting on his bottom side. And hey, Rodney, when that ball is in the corner of the wing, how are you closing out on that ball? Okay, so so – I don't know if we'll have enough time to talk through both zones. In, in, but we, in the one-two-two zone, the way that Jerry taught it with two high hands, you know, chopping the feet just like you would, you know, in the, in the pack line. Um, throw both hands up, pressure the basketball, working on establishing the cushion. Pressure – Pressure is incredibly important. If you cannot get pressure on the basketball in the one-two-two, you're going to get killed on skip passes. So, you know, putting a lot of pressure on the ball, and Jerry was got, I mean, he just would scream and holler in practice to get pressure on the basketball. But it is a, every every closeout is a two-high hand. 
Now, in Basil's, with the way he taught it, the two three zone, he always had a one high hand. It was always a one handed closeout. And it was more of a contained closeout. But the way that we taught it, and the way that I taught the one, two, two was the two high hands, chop the feet, establish a coach, just like you would. And with man. your footwork, with your footwork on the closeout, are you trying to keep the ball on the side or, or are you allowing okay. the ball reversal? Uh, you were you were trying to pressure the basketball with with two square feet uh, in the corner, uh, and it's and the same thing with if the ball was on the on the wing with that two man. The only thing that would be different is a lot of times if they would line up in a two one two or a two guard front, you would actually. Um, I wish. Can you see my arrow? Can you yeah. see my arrow? You can. Yep. Okay. So. Um, I don't have any sketches, but anyways, let's say the man's up, the, the offense is up here. Okay. You would flatten out, you would flatten out and you'd want to make this pass. You don't want to chase the ball clear out here. So, you know, basically a couple strides above the three point line would be here. I can, I can just look, let's look at right here. You can see where this two is. Mm -hmm. Okay. He is trying to distract a pass into the corner. I mean, I don't, I'm not, that's where, that's where you kind of, you got to be in person and teaching this because you don't want to tell a kid to play on his outside, his outside shoulder and have him take off driving, but you don't want this pass from here to the corner to be easy. So that's, that's kind of, you know, when you, when you start throwing out the man principles a little bit and, and, and playing it like that. If it, if it was a two-guard front. Okay. Um, you see this right here. I have this dash. You can see all the way this line right through here. Okay. Because the skip pass is incredibly important. The three, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scroll down since we started talking about this, and I'm going to find skip passes. Okay. So right here I where my arrow is. Any skip pass across, the three is going to have it. Okay, so if you, even if it's the corner, the, the the three normally doesn't cover the corner, but on a skip pass out, the three covers all skip passes. Think you know, think the forward and the two three zone. Any skip pass out, he's got that covered, whether it's to the wing or to the corner. And right here, you know, we used to work on this. If there's a skip pass to the corner and a quick pass up, the one would have to come up and cover for three to recover back. This 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 right here is a snafu situation that happens that you got to you got to work on it because it will happen. I don't mind sharing this these sketch these diagrams if you guys want if you guys want copies of that. Um. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, okay. you tell them to us. All right. So going going back, um, ball comes out wing coverage. Okay, one is one is protecting here. Now think two three zone again. Four's got an inside hand on the post player and an outside hand ready to cover that corner. Five is down your center, making for sure that no lob passes happen there. 
Once again, three still has weak side. One has the point. No, I'm sorry, the, the high post. Okay, so that those first three slides is pretty typical, I would say, of a one-two-two zone. Nothing, you know, nothing fantastic. But some of these things that we're going to talk about here, I think, is 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 a what makes it a little bit different. And then when you drill these things, pass into the high post. Okay, we don't want you know you want to put pressure uh, on the point. A lot of times, people don't run a one-two-two offense against the one-two-two zone. But if they does, you kind of want to get that, you know, steer that ball off of the top of the off, off the top of the key. But any high post, okay, any pass into the high post, that opposite post guy will take it. Okay. Five drops straight underneath the basket. One digs down. I don't I don't necessarily if you want to say traps, but digs down. Two drops down, three drops down, and you get ready for the ball to be kicked out. And that's something that you drill. Ball goes into the high post, it gets kicked out, and then you you have to recover. And we used to drill, we used to start the ball right there in the high post. We would get there, have them throw it out, and everybody have to react. I think one of the teaching points, you know, Jerry was really big. I had him come and talk to my team. Well, actually, we went and played them, and he talked to my team. And, and you got to think about what's going to happen next. What's going to happen in the next two or three plays? And there's another thing that I like about the one-two-two zone is there really, to be quite honest with you, is less things to run against a one-two-two than there is a two-three. So and if you're going to run the one-two-two zone, I would install all the offenses that you run against a one-two-two so you can work against them constantly. That's what Basil did. I mean, Basil always installed everything. He wanted everything in our system that was tough to guard and that's 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 how we practiced i mean obviously scattering port we walk through everything but that was the best way to prepare for it a lob into the low post okay let's say there's a lob um you know that opposite forward covers and you're going, you're going to basically going to trap that in there. Let's see, right, right here. I'm sorry, I'm sitting here pointing. Right here, let's see. The lob is right here. Four is going to now dig down. Two is digging down. Three comes over and smashes, and five kind of traps in there. And one's got, one's got to drop back. That's another thing that you, that that has to be drilled. These two things right here are very, very important, and I think that Jerry did a great job of drilling those things. So if they make that lob pass from corner to block, your you, your five defenders are all down in there deep. Yep, digging. To think think digging, not not necessarily turning your head, but you know, you think about like when you're playing the you know pack line and you get dribble penetration, and everybody drops. You know that, that's the kind of the concept. You know, you you drop and then you're ready to to come out of recover out of. Ruddy, if, if a team comes down the court with a two-guard front, like lane line to lane line, I don't know if you remember that Romer stuff I used to run, the baseline runner setting the, the flare screens on the baseline and slipping. Let's say one comes down the court and they go real quick 
you know, like one to three lane line to lane line. If it comes on the right side, that's that two's ball. Whose ball is it? Lane line to lane line. Well, you know, I can't. You know, coming down the the, the right side of the court, you know, at the two guard front, a little wider than the lane line. Mm-hmm. So, who's got the ball? If if, if you know if, if he's more on the you know towards the the volleyball side of things to the top of the key. So if 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 they go like that, like you're saying, guards and I. Um, hold on, let me let me just scroll through. Let me see if I have. Okay, here we go. So you're talking about this right here. Which one? This right over here where you see my arrow, this two two set, and this lane line, the lane line. I do not. I do not see you two set. Okay, over over where my arrow is, you don't see that. I'm seeing stop the drive and destroy the screen. But over here in this upper right hand corner, do you see that where it says two two set? No. Okay. 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 Now I do. I was zoomed right. in. So, yeah. yeah. So, bas so basically, when you have a two guard front, and even if they're wider like this, you would just drop that one into the lane. Okay, drop and get these guys to come up. This is where, once again, it's, it kind of gets a little bit tricky. And one thing I don't is you kind of have to flatten out and get real wide. So basically, you want them almost to get comfortable in passing back and forth here and making passes over the top difficult. Whether it goes into the corner of the wing, that would be it would be difficult to do. So, so you're basically your two and your three. Oops. Your two and your three would have that, and they would come up and put pressure enough on the on the ball to keep it from going. In, I mean, if they're going to throw the ball out here all day, then so be it. I mean, I mean, if you get into a your down situation, that's one thing. But you know, they'll get comfortable out here, but you don't want this pass from here down to the forward or down to the corner to be easy to make. But yes, the two and the three would cover that. The point would drop back and make sure he's taking away high post up if they were to get into a two-one-two set. I don't know if that does that answer your question. Yeah. What if those? What if it was the two guard front with the post guy on each block and and the best shooter running the baseline initially? They're basically coming down two two up top with the three guys on the baseline. So right here in this drill, destroy the screen. This, basically, you're working on playing against that. That is the, one of the more difficult offenses to guard, and then you have to just keep working around it. You have to keep fighting, work on fighting through those screens, and and making for sure that you're getting the post out to the corner. Now, when um, yeah, so like right here, you know, your post. You, this is the drill. This is the drill of destroy the screen and. Um, which destroy the screen drill is is based on guarding the baseline action. Okay, let's go back up. You tell you tell me where. I mean, I know it's geez, we've already been here thirty seven minutes. So, um, okay, we've talked about. Um, Passing the high post, we talked about in the lob into the low post. Uh, direct passes into the post. Once you know it's skipped to the opposite wings, 
Yeah, you're still digging out. I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between man-to-man and and passes into the post. You're still wanting to dig out and be ready to close out. Dribble downs and dribble ups. Okay, you want your guard, you want your um, wing to go ahead and stay with the dribble down. Go ahead and dribble down. And this one has got, this is one of those snafu situations that you have to drill. You know, you don't want this to happen a lot, but if they dribble down, this is normally a set play. Normally a continuity offense uh, doesn't um, have a lot of dribble down, constant dribble downs like this. So this is probably a set. But anyways, that dribble down action, that wing stays with it. You know, four and five is going to stay put. And one is is ready to come out and, and, and cover any sort of curl back behind the dribble. Okay, or be able to take away that high post. Dribble up. You don't want your four. You remember your post players never come above the volleyball line. So that the wing will take the dribble up. As soon as they cross the volleyball line, he'll jump up and take it. Okay. Yep. This is this here is, is one of my favorite parts. This is this is kind of a it's one of my favorite parts and my my uh, parts I don't like about the one two two zone because I think this is the zone uh, this is the rebounding responsibilities. You always take away. You're thinking about taking away the four post positions, the two low post positions and the high post positions. So let's talk about let's come down here and talk about the shot from the corner first. A shot goes up from the corner. Obviously, the po- the four is going to take the block out. Five has got strong side post. Three has weak side post. The one who is the center is going to take anything coming from that high side or from that weak side high post. Two will have anything coming from the strong side high post. Now we all know that that is not exactly where everybody's going to be, but we have to cover people coming from that area. Shot from the wing, same idea. Okay, four's got to fight around. No, he's got an outside, he, he's got an, um, his inside hand is in the post, okay? But he's got to, he's got to fight around and take it and have this strong side post block out. The five who's, who's the actual center right there has got anything coming from the weak side high post. Three weak side, one will have the ball side high post. Shot from the points, an easy concept. And keep in mind, you know, people are obviously, we know that they're not going to line up right there, but they're coming, they're, they have to be coming from that area. Now, the problem is with this, I think the responsibilities in the one two, two zone is, is more defined than in the 2-3 because there are, I think there's, uh, if I remember right, five or you know, five different scenarios in the 2-3 zone and how to block out from it. But you tend to block out better on the weak side in the two three than what you do in the one two two. But this is easy to drill. I mean, I, I had confidence that my kids knew block out responsibilities. This is the best drill for working on the the blocking out against seven rebounding and against nine rebounding. You'd put four people on the post, 
I, and then you make for sure the, the, whoever shot the ball had to be blocked out. And then these four guys in the, in the high post and low post had to be blocked out. The other guys couldn't rebound that, that, that would be ridiculous, but who you'd pass the ball around and wherever the shot came from, that guy could rebound. The shooter could rebound and then the four people in the post. I didn't do a lot of against nine, but I did do a lot of against seven rebounding. Any questions? When you played the three, two, did you also play that versus underneath out of bounds plays? I did. I did. I don't know. I might have to. I don't think I have that in here. But to be honest with you, it's it's more like the two. It's more like a, a two, three lineup. Now, Basil didn't. Basil did not. He he would match up man. And when and then and um, when they threw it over the top, he would go back to the zone. Here's these traps, the corner trap, the wing trap, and then the dribble trap, as you guys can see there. I didn't, uh, you know, the the wing trap was, you know, normally out of a timeout. The dribble trap, you know, the D, the dribble trap there was was more when you when we started, you know. Um, panicking a little bit we, we had to, to to find ways to hopefully get steals here and there uh the corner trap was used a lot there were time there were a few games i remember jerry if if they had you know going back to um wayne's question about the baseline if you had a pretty good shooter we were going to do it every time every time the ball went to the corner we were going to trap it so in the in the corner trap is, is is a almost a necessary. These these the T and the T, the T and the D trap I, is okay. I mean we would use that sparingly, but these corner traps is was is critical. CT is what we used to call that. Do, do you think by showing the trap some out of the three two does it does it get the opponents running more of a a stand around zone offense when you weren't in the trap because they were worried about the traps instead of coming down trying to, you know, set lob screens or running a guy on the baseline? Um, I mean, we didn't run, I, we didn't run the traps enough for me to say that consistently. I mean, there were, well, there were times that we would use it, but I mean, that, that would be more of a Jerry question. He's obviously ran it a lot more years um, than what I did. And, but I, I, uh, um, I would, uh oh, <laughs> somebody's yeah. calling. I, hey, I would, I would, I would say yes. I mean, that would probably be, it would make sense, but I don't have the experience enough to answer, or uh, experience enough with, with running enough. I didn't trap a lot, I did some, but traps tended to, to, to burn me. Now, um, hey, back to the traps. I don't know if Rodney remember this or not, Derek. Uh, I mean, about all I played when Rodney was with me was the pack line. And if we're in trouble, we went to a red defense normally, which was a 1-3-1 trap. And 
and it was uh, either fist or double fist, the the, the one three one, and and basically it was a uh, fist up and head down because if if I had to put that fist up, that means we're in big big trouble. It works right. So it's fist up, head down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I think if with with either zone, okay, with either zone, I think it's incredibly important to kids. Kids will get comfortable with you know having help but you know it's it's a you got to apply those man-to-man principles you, you have to stop penetration with one man yes it's the help is there but the whole idea is to guard with one man never ever have two people on the ball except for when it goes into the post if you've got two people on the ball and the perimeter you're screwed okay you are screwed whether it's the two three or the one two two Yeah, so much of this stuff is uh, so familiar. I mean, I I love it. I uh, I, I coached basal zone um, for a lot of years, and um, the word I like to use it, it, it precision. Everything's got to be really precise, and you've almost got to be early in in your zone sliding. I think even more so um, in the two three than the one two two. I I, I always sure. felt like um, the one two two was an easier zone to rebound out of. The two three takes, and not that it doesn't take a, a lot of practice time to learn how to rebound out of the one two two, but from my experiences teaching kids how to rebound out of the two, three out of coach Malby's two, three was a very time consuming ordeal. It is, it is a time consuming. I, so, you know, this, this all becomes based on, I mean, I mean, if you've got a team and you're preparing, what, what defense are you going to run? You know, I, you know, these zone, I mean, you look at Basil and you look at Jerry and the success that they had, and you're like, you know, these these zones are similar, but they're, they're so drastically different. And, and the way that they prepared for them were so different. I mean, it was, even though it might appear to a fan or someone sitting in the stands, they're, they're so different. I mean, Jerry drilled the crap out of that one two two zone, and we really didn't play anything else. I mean, we had, he, he mixed in multiple uh, zone traps and presses and stuff. He did, he did a really good, I mean, I would say what Jerry did defensively outside of the one, two, two zone is great for today's game. I don't know. Have you guys in Ohio changed to the two foul situation or I'm sorry, the five fouls per quarter. Yeah. Did you mm-hmm. do that? I, and you guys, neither one of you guys are coaching right now. Correct. Right. Correct. So, I, you know, I, I officiate and I, I have not seen a game yet this year at the high school level where somebody has came from behind and won. Like in the, in the final few minutes, like you would see someone trying to foul, uh, you know, forcing and pressure one and one and, and able to come back. You used to see that quite regularly. I haven't seen it yet this year. And. You know, I I was talking to Wayne about this the other day. I mean, there has you have to with with every time that you put somebody on the line, they get two fouls. You know, in my opinion, and you're so I've seen a couple coaches starting to use more junk and more, um, you know, tricks and stuff 
with their defense is because you have to force a turnover. You can't rely on fouling anymore. It's a it's a huge change at the end of the game. You have to be able to play some of that stuff. And and I bet and I haven't seen Jerry's teams play this year, but man, he did such a great. And there's so many times that we came from behind and won by him mixing up his press, his three quarter court press, his full court press, his half court traps. We we used to always. I mean, so many times he he's come from behind to win a game, and. And it was because of some of those other things that he used to do. But going back to what Jerry just drilled, drilled and drilled and drilled the one, two, two zone. Now, Basil, he would alternate his days. He worked on man to man one day, man to man offense, man to man defense. And then the next day would be zone offense and zone defense. And he probably spent more time playing man in practice than what he did the two, three. And I think you can do that uh, with the two, three, but, if you're going to play the 1-2-2 zone, you pretty much have to be sold in, in, because it just it, it just to be to get that intensity and to get build that in, in, so they're not thinking. You know, any good coach, no matter what sport, you don't want the kids to think. You just want them to react. And, and man, Jerry did a good job of of playing that 1-2-2 zone. I think personally, I mean, he he had the confidence. I panicked a little bit when when teams were were hitting threes, but Jerry would not. I mean, I remember there was one game we gave up 10 threes and people thought we were insane for staying with it. We won the game. I think they had 30, they scored 36 points. We scored, they hit 10 threes and they scored two points in the paint and two free throws. And, you know, and like he would say, okay, so they hit threes, but how many laps did they shoot? How many free throws did they shoot? Hardly any. And we were still able to win that game. So, you know, he he definitely had the confidence in it, and and man, he was good at it. He he is good at it. So, yeah, and I, I agree one hundred percent. I think having that fortitude or, or that mindset rubs off on your <clears throat> players as well. Yeah. yeah well, the he, thing I wrestle the thing I wrestle with now if I was ever to coach again, the way offensive basketball has changed, Rodney, I mean, you know this, like you're, you see more games than we do, all the fishing you're doing. But, you know, nine out of ten teams, it's all about driving that thing down your throat, getting that guard to the foul line or getting him to the to the rim or dumping off to the post or kicking out for the three. Why not play zone? I mean, the, the man-to-man's giving up the threes anyways. At least you're 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 containing that dribble penetration, uh, and, and you're not facing that. Put yeah. the shoulder down, drive, drive, drive at, at you know at, at your defense constantly. What what do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I, I mean, it takes. I mean, this. I if I was going to go back, I, first of all, I would I would coach at a small school, and I would I would play the one two two again, and. And, and, and try to incorporate as much man-to-man as I possibly could. But taking away the dribble penetration, and there's always – and then figuring out the long three. I mean, you, you see a lot of long threes these days. Um, I mean, kids are – I mean, call it the Seth Curry effect, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's – I mean, you know, I, I'll see kids shoot threes five or six feet behind the three-point line, and I'll look at the coach thinking he's about to kill him. But but he's not. He's not killing him. It's 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 a part of the game. 
So I do think if you you definitely can take the dribble penetration out of it, and and then just figuring out how to how to cover those threes. I think I would, if I was doing it again, I would play with the personnel, putting bigger kids on the wings than what I did, as far as as, as getting coverage on the three point shooters. But you know, I, I I don't know. I found it tough to play man and zone at the same time. And there's just little nuances, you know, I, that are just a little bit different. If I think if I was going to try to play man and zone, it, it's just hard. It's it is hard to do. And but but I mean, I think I think you try it. You got to have to try. How much did you play, Derek? Uh, man versus your zone when you were playing it. We were ninety nine percent two three zone. We we had a, a package of uh, we ran twelve against teams who really had a good three point shooter and, and and I always felt like the best coaches put their best shooter at the top of the key against us and that put so much pressure on keeping the ball out of the middle out of the nail hole area or elbows um, and then one three one or even a one, one, three, three quarter court trap or our bailout clauses. But the reason I went uh, back in the nineties to coach Mobby's zone was I wanted to spend more time coaching offense. I felt like once yeah. we transitioned from the nineties to the two thousands, kids were getting worse offensively. They weren't playing at the parks anymore. There was a lot of X factors into that but I wanted to be able to spend a lot more time on my offense in the zone was more uh, systematic than man to man. I could break things down. We could move along a lot more quickly, especially after year one, or maybe I should say semester one, but you know, it, with man to man, if you're someone who's very concerned about defense and uh, have high expectations for a team's defense, I felt like being a great man-to-man -man defensive team took an inordinate amount of work. And I was always, the, you know, the way I was raised in the game and, and the coaches I worked for were all defensive coaches. So it was kind of ingrained into me. Um, so I guess to make a hundred words into ten, we 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 were like Basil in the or Coach Baumholt in the fact that that's what we did and we stuck with it. Sure. Yeah. I tell you, I just I think um, my kind of thoughts started changing as I um, when I as a younger guy, you know, learning the game, there's, there's being a great basketball team. And then there's the realistic idea of coaching a high school basketball team in, in a small school. And, and you want the best athletes to play. I mean, it, the, the idea is, you know, you pick two of your best basketball players to run your offense through, and then you need to get the other guys need to be the best athletes that you can get. And it is difficult necessarily to put your best at make your best athletes really good man to man defensive players because one they're playing baseball and they're playing football and, and you got them for you know four months so um, 
And I think playing a zone, you can you can put your best athletes on the court. And it goes that goes that goes a long way in small high school basketball. Absolutely. I think there's a lot to be said too for being able to put a kid who can really shoot it in a zone. For example, for us, it would have been our left side forward. Um, yep. But I just, and another thing I felt with, with zone was, you know, I finished my career at a, at a very small school, really, really tiny school and loved it. But we had some kids who were smaller and I felt like they would be a lot easier to isolate if they were not in the zone. Absolutely. I keep, Rodney, I always bring this up. I'm always waiting on Painter to turn on a Purdue game and see a 2-3 zone with Edie. I just don't understand why you don't use it some. <laughs> well, and, and it's, you know, that brings up an example. Even, even though you, you know, you love, you know, for me, you know, it was just my personality. I think I like the one 2, two better, but, you know, you can't put Zach Eadie in a one two two zone. You just can't do it. I mean, it would be silly of you. And so they, you'd have to put him in a 2-3. But, yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you just – you would least like, some, yeah. And, and, I, and I always said – I defend Painter, too, because I, I I really like Painter. I, I, I hope, hope Purdue wins the whole thing. But, man, if you're in the NCAA tournament and you're playing some great ball screen offensive team and they keep – putting him in them ball screen situations like my god what's more important to be stubborn playing your man to man or swallow your pride and play the two three and let leave Edie inside so he's on the offensive end for for the entire game so we'll see how it plays out you know i one of the things and, and this is kind of one of the reasons it kind of summarizes basketball one of the problems that i had with the one two two zone you know when i came here we were trying to build up you know, I played a lot of young kids and, you know, one of the complaints I would get from kids and parents, I don't see anybody on TV playing a one, two, two, you know, well, you're right. This is high school. <laughs> you know, this is high school basketball, small high school basketball. So, you know, those are some of the challenges that you, that you, uh, you face when, when you're, when you're playing some of these things is the TV or, or, social media everybody wants to see what you see on television and it's it's really too bad that that's the stuff that you have to deal with but um i, I don't know i i i like i like both of the zones um I, i'm a better i'm better at teaching the one two two than i am the two three um i'm, I'm probably a better pack line coach anyways but 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 i those are kind of my thoughts right there on on the zone between those two zone defenses yeah going back to your comment about um what kids see on tv i had one one person bring that up to me once and i said yeah how many college coaches do you see running flex how many college coaches do you see and i was able to rip off two or three different um offenses and then i also said uh and plus we don't have a shot clock so I'm kind of going back to the importance of rebounding here, which is no matter what defense you're playing. But when I was coaching, when I was the head coach of Maumee, which would be comparable to coaching in the Duneland in Northwest Indiana, uh, all the giant suburbs surrounding Toledo, 
So, you know, we're playing against kids who are going to the Big Ten to play either football or basketball on, almost on a nightly basis. And if we're making them have one minute or a minute and a half offense, offensive possessions, that was huge for us. Now, you better get the darn rebound, but we're not just letting them um, – we're, we're dictating the tempo of the game. And we could not have done that playing man-to-man. We couldn't have. Correct. It's just so – I mean, you you get it. I mean, you can do some really cool things with the pack line, but, man, I tell you what, some of those – I mean, when I took the job here, I mean, we were playing against Garrett Butcher, who ended up playing at Butler, <clears throat> who went to Edgewood. Um, the the best kid who played at Owen Valley, who played at University of Indianapolis. Man, I just I, – I just looking back, and I know people wanted to display more man, but I just don't know how we would have tried to even attempt to deal with those kids um, by not packing it in and in, in plain zone. But it is what it is. Oh, and I think uh, a big aspect of what we're both talking about, too, is, and this did happen to us at Maumee, once we had success – all that crap went away. Sure, absolutely. Not all of it, but but a lot of it does. And then you form an identity. This is what we do. But a lot of people on the outside world have no idea how hard that is to establish. And from a cultural perspective, I mean, you got to. I mean, you just got to. You got to find that right school. And and I and, and my weakness as a head coach is. As um, you know, looking back, um, I should have sold to the parents into um, why we were doing the things the way we were doing them instead of just doing them because I wanted to do them and not talking to anybody. And I think if you do, if if looking back, you know, you, you probably should explain, hey, this is what we're trying to beat the best teams on our schedule and, um, you know, advance in the tournament. That's our goal. And, and I think if, if people would have probably understood that instead of uh, being stared out, Rodney, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a fascinating point. And I talk to, I, I talk to a lot of coaches about these things. See, I, I, I still broadcast on TV. So I'm at two or three high school basketball games a week. And I think there is a really tight line or a fine line in regards to what you just said. I think the parents need to know some things, but on other things, I don't think they need to know at all. I think it needs to come from the kids. And I do still believe this. There are a hell of a lot more parents who want to hate the coach than who want to support the coach. And I think it's a numbers game. And I think the most important thing that can happen, and typically the only way it does happen is via success, is you get more parents on your side because one the of uh, the success and two the kids genuinely do like the coach and I'm not saying like in a goofy way I'm saying respect but also yeah. like being around him and they like playing for him and I mm-hmm. think that shuts a lot of things up there but I only know one coach who's been super successful and is an open book with his parents but at the same time, he's also the best I've ever seen in regards to being brutally uh, laser-focused uh, 
honest with parents and tells them exactly what they don't want to hear. And he does it in such a way that uh, leaves no stone unturned. But, you know, and I know some people might take this the wrong way. The flip side to that coin or the, or the next step is he's coaching at a huge school where a majority of his parents are professionals and have sure. multiple degrees. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or not a good thing. I don't know. I never coached really in a school like that, but he is far from a salesman. So I, I, I'm not trying to answer that question. I guess I'm trying to get Wayne's perspective on it, which, but, but I, I don't know what the right answer is. I, I, I was just like you and I've only been out of coaching for five or six years but that was not something that was a strong suit of mine. And I, and it's not something I ever concerned myself with. Um, this is what I believe in. They hired me to coach the team, not the parents. And, and the other thing, Rodney, then I'll shut up about it that, that I'm asking, not telling is where do you draw the line then? Because I was terrified that if I started saying or telling the parents everything or, or things, important things like that, then they're going to want to start knowing everything. Sure. Yeah, and I and I and I, I think when I said that, I my intentions were not to to have a continuous conversation as much as, you know, maybe at the beginning of the year. Hey, this is how we're going to do it, and this, these are the rules. This is this is why I was hired, and and moved that way. Yeah, uh, I, I I get exactly what you're saying, and and that that I understand a hundred percent there, and I took it the way you meant it. I um now that was that, one thing I did do. I, at our first parent meeting, our parent meetings lasted like nine minutes. Um, yeah. This is what we do. We're not coming out of it. So if you want to sit up there and stand, and, you know, even as crazy as things are today, we still have sort of free speech. <laughs> but And I tell you, in, in, in all these things is um, why I'd rather just talk to you guys and not coach. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. I, you know the x's and o's you know i i'm I'm waiting for the abyss to open up and in the, the signal for a, to come back and, and do it the right way if we could turn back the clock 20 years i, I would do it in a heartbeat but uh, like i told rodney the other day my next head coaching job I'll, i've already retired from teaching with zero debt and the, and the first time the I get called in the AD to question my decisions I made on Friday night, I'm going to say, uh, here's my retirement portfolio. I said, what do you want to do, fire me? <laughs> funniest funniest thing, uh, when I was Pat Rady Sr., um, was just a great guy to me. You know, I never coached for Pat Rady Sr., but, you know, I met, I met him because I coached one year for his son, and, and he just gave me anything and everything. And he just – he walked me into his house and he, he had a, you know, it, speaking of, if you have the opportunity to, you know, reach out to him and go to his house and he's got a room just dedicated to basketball. And, and I'm not just saying like, you know, pictures and stuff like that, but just tapes and videos and books and just, you name it on the game of basketball. He, he was a basketball junkie. I haven't talked to him for years, but man, he had everything and he just offered me anything and everything that I wanted. And I took so many tapes and stuff and, and uh, one of the best tapes, and I, I think it's still on cassette is Jerry Tarkanian talking about when he played his one, two, two zone. 
And that's what he did when he was at, um, oh gosh, I want to forget. Before he was at UNLV, it was like, hmm, Google it real fast, one of you. Was, 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 was he at San Diego State? No, it was like Long Beach or something like Long yeah, Beach. Yeah, yeah. Because I think they beat USC, UCLA one year. But that's all he did was a one-two-two zone. And gosh, man, he, he used to get you excited about playing a one-two-two zone. But that's all he did before he got to UNLV and started having all that talent. And, and he, he had the amoeba zone there. Yeah, yeah. Well, he played most man, but uh, he he played some of the amoeba. But, but I don't know. I just – I don't see a lot of people getting jacked up about X's and O's anymore. It's 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 Things are different. Things are definitely different in the game. Long Beach State. There you go. Yeah, so, you're, you're exactly right. Things are different. Um, everybody, that's not true. I didn't mean to say everybody. There's a huge emphasis now on things that we used to just consider being coached. You know, a big buzzword now is culture. Yeah. Okay. Well, culture to me, even, and again, I've only been out of this for a very small amount of time. And culture to me was, if you do what I ask you to do, the way I've asked you to do it, and as hard as you can on a consistent basis, you and I are going to get along fine. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I just would cut kids, you know, after three or four days of tryouts or whatever, I just didn't want to deal with them. I would rather take a kid who was going to be everything I needed, but maybe wasn't so good at getting it done, but wasn't going to kill me in the process of trying to getting, get him to get it done. And, and, you know, that's how I ended my career. And I don't, I don't know what it's like in Ohio when it comes to the transfer situation, but one, you know, if it, it's tough. I mean, it's tough because you want, you want to hold them accountable and you want to push them, but if they don't like you, they just go somewhere else. And I, that just drives me insane. Yeah, it's not as bad here as it is in Indiana. And, and That's me insane. It does, exactly, same here. And, and I, I had someone at, uh, kind of break balls over this, that statement I made. I said that he drove me crazy or whatever. And I looked at the person who said this to him, and I said, if he's driving me crazy, he's driving every kid in this gym who wants to do things the right way nuts. Yeah. And the person would say, well, just because it's your way doesn't mean it's the right way. Well, it is. If I'm the head coach, what I if I say the sky's red, the sky's red. Yep. And kids to this day still want to be in a scenario where they know what's going on and they want to know exactly how things are done or, or how things are. They, they want to be taught on how to do things. And one thing I, I'm a firm believer in, and then I'll shut up, is this. The Insta-Google snap tweet generation is a generation of kids who have everything they need at their fingertips in regards to finding out information. When you tell an Insta Google Snap tweet kid, go do it, get it done, or you use any abstract terminology with them, it doesn't register, it doesn't process, they get frustrated because that's not how they've grown up. They most certainly haven't grown up playing a lot, except for your elite players. So that was one, one of the things I liked about the Insta Google Snap tweet generation. But, and, and then I'll shut up. I thought they were more um, accustomed to specific details 
in specificity than any other generation of kid I coached. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's interesting. Well, um, back to X's and O's if you guys want to. to yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, to, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know how much time you guys were planning. I, I mean, I'm, I'm fine, but um, I, a couple things I just wanted to share. And I've always, you know, when, it, when people talk about zone offense, this right here is, is by far the most successful. And I don't know if I'd be interested to know if you guys ran this Derek, because Basil ran it all the time and I ran it all the time. And it really, we ran all kinds of sets against a two, three, but man, was this really successful too low. Did you guys run too low? No, okay. we did now we ran something similar to this, but not exactly like this. So, and I'd be interested to, to, for you to talk about your difference right here. You guys can see my arrow, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. This one, okay, if, if you're going against it, this is a 2-3 zone. This one has to force one of these guards to guard him up this lane line, okay? And then this two needs to be low enough to where that forward has to come out. Make that forward get low enough where that forward has to come out and guard. Now you've got him at a disadvantage, okay? As soon as he fights out okay now that forward's coming okay that forward has to cover he's too low for the guard to cover four has to come out and then i'm sorry this the forward has to come out the center now has this guy and then you're trying to post him you post this guy right here and simultaneously on the opposite side three is going to slip in behind or fade in behind five, who's going to set a back screen, or I'm sorry, a screen on the opposite of the weak side forward. So a good forward, now the way that we would guard this, and Derek, I'm sure you would have him set on top of that weak side um, screen. But yes. that's, that's... Inside hand, inside, inside arm, outside arm. Yep. So you want to screen him in, and if he fights over the top, then you can seal him high. If he wants to fight around, then you can seal him out, and then you'd have the lob to the opposite post, okay? But this is where we always got a lot out of it. You would screen this guy in. You would skip across. You would skip it to that opposite corner, and as that weak side forward would fight through, because the weak side forward would have skip responsibility, as he fights through, then you bury that center. And we used to get that a ton. So as the ball skips across, the forward fights through to cover that skip pass. If he, if he doesn't get out there, then you have that wide open three. But if he does get it, forward fights through, center's fight coming back through, and then you bury him right there in the lane. And then you just keep going back and forth until you get that, that action. And then what happens is these guards, as you're doing this, these – these top guards start scrambling down to help with coverage. And then you have a quick reversal and dribble penetration into the paint because they're getting spread out, trying to fight through those backside screens. Basil was always big into abusing that weak side forward. The weak side forward is if you can beat up on that weak side forward, that's how you get into the inside and into the paint. Two, two coaches come to mind right now. I've seen this action before. Dean Foster 
when he's at Elkhart Central, then he went to Penn. That's when I knew Dean. And I'm pretty sure I see Jeff Moore Sullivan. Does he run this? Did you play? Did you play Jeff? Yeah, but I don't remember Jeff running this. It seems like I, I was scouting. I was at Washington Catholic. They must have been playing somebody we played or something. And he was running something similar to this. It was really effective. Uh, Dean would run this same concept against man to man, and it really just jacked with your help defense. Even uh, that's interesting. Yeah, he, would, uh, the guys would be stationary, and the and the guards would be floating the corner, and the yep. uh, the post guys would be you know screening, flare screening, and you know same same types of things you're talking about, uh, but real effective stuff. And then the middle floor is always so open. Uh, and of course, Dean or Elkhart Central, he usually had a beat deep guy up a top point guard. You know, once once they started beating you up on those flare screens on the baseline, then here comes the beat deep guy going right down your gut. Yep. Taking it in the lane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of the things about Dean Foster that I always loved was everything was so simple. Yeah. Um, I mean, rudimentary simple, but he taught his players how to play in each scenario, kind of like a reversed action of what we were talking about with zone defense. And I, I spent a whole day with him at Penn, and um, I was expecting, because he, he talked about his four-out-one in offense at a clinic I was at, and I was expecting something similar to the swing or or like Coach Knight's pairs or something of that nature. And the more he got into this, and once the kids got on the floor, it was more of a zone offense than it was a man offense. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I do not know. I mean, I know who that is, but I, I, I'm not familiar with his X's and O's. I've never been in the northern, that far north. Yeah, he, he run that stuff and then, and then on the defensive end, he switched every screen. <laughs> Which can be <Yeah>. complicated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hated playing against the switches. But The other thing I remember about Dean Foster was uh, it, when they trapped the ball, the same kid would run and trap the entire time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, uh, take us through more of your X's and O's here, Coach. This is good stuff. Okay, so that – that um. I love this. And then you can run a set. We call it a crunch um, where you just, instead of trying to bury, you just, you know, after this, you know, quick reversal, uh, let the forward fight through and then bury that center and the four slips in behind. That was, that was really good action out of, out of, uh, out of that too low. We would just kind of uh, mix the crunch into the too low and it was really, really handful. Uh, this is probably uh, one of the – oops, let me open this. Where did it go? Uh, I told you earlier um, – daggone it, I'm sorry. Where did it go? If I can find it, I don't want to move too much around. I got – Uh, was the was the press offense? Which is basically the half court trap offense. I think I think young coaches 
not necessarily even young coaches, new coaches, I should say, really struggle against pressure. And you're not seeing a lot. You, you know, I've seen, I, I know a handful, you know, from officiating, uh, you know, some younger coaches around here that, that I think do a really good job, um, except for against pressure. And I would love to just pull them to the side and say, hey, listen, listen to some of these ideas. It, it would really help you a lot. Um, but uh, two things here, you know, what we called Z and then middle. Uh, Basil was so big and, and Derek, you know, obviously you spent time with him. It, it was about beating zone pressure. It was all about formation. Everything was about formation and always repeated over and over three near options, and one throw over. No matter, no matter what you're looking at three, I'm going to grab my book right over here because I, there's a couple speaking points, but this is just a standard press offense that, that you wouldn't think is, is, you know, I'm not saying this is spectacular as far as alignment goes, but if you can just think about getting three near options and one throw over, no matter what kind of pressure you're getting, it will be effective. And we always got everybody back because I think you guys see when people are getting pressured, they will um, bring pe too many people up. They'll bring two people up. You know, two people up is is too too much in my opinion. But just one guy walk your man down or break and get open, and then you have here's your near options. Now you have four, five, okay, and then two behind. So you have three near option, four, five, two behind. There's your three near options, and you got one throw over. And then, as you can see, you know, we, we used to used work a ton on this. And I, I loved it. You know, I, I was very comfortable as a head coach when teams pressed and zoned us. That's where we were both. We got in trouble when teams manned us and were more physically overwhelming than us. That's where we struggled. But I, I enjoyed playing against presses and zones. And just this is the same, and I, and I show you this more to, to get into the 1-3-1 to the zone offense because it's the same concept, what we call middle, okay? And getting in basically a 2-1-2 two -two set. Okay, three near options, one throw over. This is one of the things I really found a lot of success with in the, against the one three one. You know, you hit, you got this guard here, and you hit the forward. When you hit the forward, that forward, you got to just adjust to where that defense is. But if you can bring that forward up and you hit that forward, and then the opposite forward, you see here, cross, we used to call it forward cross. If you hit the forward, the forward has got to cross. Bam, he comes over. And there was, there was always that back and forth action. And we really did, you know, this, this force slowly dragging, obviously, as you guys know, against a one, three, one, but going ahead and bringing him all the way across to the strong side post. And then you can change it up. You know, we have X right here, you know, you know, moving, um, you know, the, the, the high post into the low post and bringing the backside flash in. But once again, three near options, one throw over. Nothing, nothing really groundbreaking as much as really thinking about getting those three near options and one throw over.
Well, Basil won a lot of games, and and Dean Smith won a lot of games. Of course, Dean had some pretty good players, but his his uh, his press offensive terminology were, was basically almost identical. He said against the press, you always needed a sideline, a middle, and a ball reversal, and a man deep. So you always had, like you said, three near passes and a man deep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, di yeah, different terminology. Um, but, but the same idea. Too long right here is, you know, this is just understanding. So against basically a 2-2-1, two, two, you'd go too long. Instead of bringing those guys up, you know, because you know how 2-2-1 two, two, works. You're trying to force them up the sideline. Then you just take those those near options and push them all the way back. So then you're for, as soon as you make, you know, you're getting pressure from that guard and that four, when he could, makes the decision that he wants to make and he's, when he comes up or he stays back, if he stays back, then you can keep going. But if he comes up, then you have that throw over, but you get, you put those two guys long and that, that helps with the, the formation. And then three long is if you were against like a two, one, two. Get them all back, and then that forces them. They have to guard, and then you get you know you you get good at making skip passes and and longer passes. The too long was really really that was probably the best information I received against playing against the two two one. You put those guys back there, they can't come and get you. Or if they come and get you, then you just throw it over their head. And if the if the center cheats out, then you got the opposite. You got that throw over. You can see three cutting in behind. If the forward or if the center goes out to take that, then three comes in behind. Well, you got great spacing, and that's that's so important. Majerus always said, "What's offense is spacing, and spacing is offense." Yeah. Absolutely. So those are just some of the things. I mean, obviously I got a whole freaking book of stuff, but you know, I, I don't know if it's been helpful to anybody. I mean, I, I can, if, if anybody wants to spend more time, I mean, in an hour and a half, it's kind of hard to explain a lot of, I mean, we didn't talk much about the two, three, but I think um, Derek, you know, quite a bit about it. And I mean, other than maybe intangible things, if you'd like to discuss the differences or whatever, we could also, we could do that. Uh, but what we need to do is have our uh, Rust Belt Basketball Coaches Network uh, summer clinic mm -hmm. in Ma in Madison, Indiana. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> An absolute beautiful place to be. That's yep. for sure. Rodney's wife is from there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Okay. And I will always. Have, I, will, I will always. They, the family owns land down there, and. My wife will eventually own that. So I will always be down there at some point. Right. I could live there so easy. Well, what I'd like to do is have you back, uh, Coach, and spend more time talking about the 2-3 and the offenses more, uh, more in line with the man-to-man -man offenses you learned from Coach Baumholt and Coach Malby, and also spend more time talking about your experiences with those two coaches and your experiences as a referee. Yeah. 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 
Sure. You know, you know, I grew up as an, uh, my grandpa was a, was an official for all three sports. And I always said, if I quit coaching, I would officiate. And, and that's kind of how I, I got into officiating. My boys are all starting to get older. I've got one that's in eighth grade and one is in fourth and third grade now. And it's, it's becoming more difficult because I want to be around them in their sports more than, you know, than, than officiating right now. So it's making it more of a challenge because, you know, they're, all, they're involved and, you know, they're, they're pretty good and they need, they need to, you know, they need their dad around coaching more. I kind of wish I would have not officiated and coached my son's eighth grade team this year. Uh, I wish I would have done that. Eighth, coaching eighth grade was probably one of the most fun that I've had in my mm -hmm. coaching career because it was coaching eighth grade was a good time. I agree. I, 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 I tell people all the time, I had more fun as a freshman basketball coach than I ever did in any other time in my career. Yeah. Coach Sheridan and in, in my years of being a head basketball coach, I, I tell you one thing of, of if I had to pick out a, uh, a couple guys that were assistant coaches for me during that time, uh, let's say if I got a basketball job again and, I started making phone calls and those guys somehow would want to go there, which Rodney's making the big money as assistant principal. <laughs> Rodney definitely is on my A plus list with guys that coach for me. And, and, and right when, when Rodney first got on my staff at Riverton park, I kind of picked on him a lot. Of course he, he was a college kid, you know, he's like a sophomore junior college. So I, I kind of picked on, I think the first time we had a conversation, he brought up that he was uh, uh coaching summer AAU basketball. So, so of course, yep. you know, I, I blasted him on that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was trying to coach anything I could at the time. That's for sure. I, you know, I, I've been very fortunate in, 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 um, Wayne is, um, probably the first, my first opportunity, uh, to understand, uh, what X's and O's was. I remember, um, trying to show him something on a dry erase board. He's like, hold on a minute, hold on. And he, and he grabbed the board and he said, all right, look, here we go. Ready? Dash is pass. Dribble is scribble. <laughs> Cut is jut. <laughs> Shot is dot. <laughs> well, I was trying to teach him how I wanted the, when he came back with the scouting report, I wanted, and he had diagrams. Okay, this is how, I got to know what these, you're, yeah. you got to understand what my, my way of thinking is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that conversation. <laughs> yep, and there's there was nobody better that that you know all, all the coaches I worked for nobody better than than taking an offense uh, or a defense and breaking it down into drill and and break down what Wayne was and and um, so definitely learned a, a ton there and um, I I had some of the I, the thing is I had some of those same problems Rodney explained earlier we had the. Uh, people communication skill issues <laughs> well and i just don't want to and i and i and i think i think you know because i've you know there's things i miss about it like i said i would go back and do it 20 years ago but i don't i i don't have a facebook account i don't have twitter i don't do social media i don't do any of that stuff and and i don't want to and i, and I don't have any intentions of doing it and i think that um um, you know, now a lot of the coaches and stuff, they run everything through that. And that's, that's not who I am. That's not what I want to do. Um, 
So those those are the things that I that I run into when it when you talk about getting back into the game. That's for sure. And I'm a, I'm a terrible self promoter, terrible self promoter, and 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 some of these guys do a really good job at that. Well, that's not a bad thing. I I, I know uh, the number one thing I I look out for if someone starts self promoting themselves. I'm trying to figure out, are, are, are they trying to tell me I'm stupid and I can't figure it out on my own? Um, I mean, what exactly is the message here? Because I do know one thing. I've never met anyone who's had to tell me how good they were that I didn't already know they were good. Yeah. Hey, a lion doesn't have to tell you he's a lion, does he? No. <laughs> no. Uh, you ask about... Uh zone the two three zone offense and stuff i'm just kind of looking at my book you know if you've ever seen the water boy uh, yeah. he carries around his green binder well i still have my playbook i you know i keep in my desk uh, i just counted uh i ran a total of 15 sets um or 15 set and continuities against the two three Wow. And I, ran, I ran a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten against the one, two, two, or or one, three, one. I tell you, when you when you talk about zone defenses, a guy that you guys should get on on here who who runs a tremendous half court uh, or or any kind of well, he adjusts his one, three, one, and that's Joey Hart, um, who was at Linton and uh, who, who's been around. His one, three, one. We played against them, and it's it's a he does a great job of the one three one. Of course, when he had all those horses, it sure looked a lot better. But even when he didn't have those horses, that one three one that he played really really looks good. It, it makes me interested in in that zone defense. But um, yeah, I got I got Joe on my radar to hit, hit him up sometime soon. Joey's a great coach. The the the, the uh, the one three one is a part of the Hart family tree there. Uh, yeah. Big Joe, who passed away here this past year, uh, he was a one three one guy too when he was coaching. That was one of the best games we that I remember. Uh, Brody Boyd and when he was down there at Duggar, we almost beat Brody Boyd when I was at Riverton. Um, he was tough. He was a handful. Yeah. And boy, he had a good career at Iowa. So Yes, he did. Well plus plus they had the what was it what was the, the wing player Chambers? Is that his name? Yes. Yeah. And then they had the the six eleven kid. It was six eleven, so you had to deal with him. They yep. had he had that heck, heck of a team. Yep, absolutely. But yeah, I mean any any time, you know, I you know, any questions or anything that you guys have? I mean, I, I, I've been very fortunate. Um, obviously, you can look at the records and um, of and success of the coaches and stuff that I've worked for and um, in the things that, you know, those guys have done. And, you know, I, I obviously don't have that type of uh, success, but, you know, I was, I was able to have a uh, – a great learning career from all these guys that I worked for. And, you know, sometimes I do feel guilty that I got out of it so early, but I was tired of being mad. I was tired of being mad all the time. And, and, uh, and that's how I ended up getting out of it. So, but what a great game. And I wish it was, I still wish it was 
the way it was 20 years ago. And, and hope I'm hoping it returns to that. Everything's cyclical. Um, I mean, just look sure. at public education. Eventually, we're going to get back to brass tacks and and um, basketball, I think, is definitely in that category. I think there's going to come a point in time where everything that you just said that, that people don't want, the smart people and the people who are really concerned about their children's growth, as an, and I mean... Um, not just with athletics, but socially and all those things, those things that you said we aren't good at are going to become in vogue again. Sure. That'd be cool. You let me oh. know when it happens. <laughs> well, I certainly will. I know I, 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 I'm in that camp too. Well, Hey, I sure appreciate your time coach and Wayne. I appreciate you setting all this up for us. This has been great. And, and I'm not, um, I'm not, saying this just to say it, Wayne will tell you, I don't, I don't do that. I I'm serious. I, I would like to have you back again when it fits your schedule and talk about more of these things. I think these are very valuable, very valuable um, coaching tools that people sure. need to hear and learn about. So I think I'm not going to bother you about it, but when you are ready to come back and have time, please get with Wayne or I. And I, I, I can share some things with you. And I, and I think, you know, I, everybody did a, 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 has done a, I've learned a lot from everybody, but I think one of the things that Jerry goes underrated for is, is, is practice planning. And you can spend, we can spend a lot of time talking about how to plan practices. And, and I think as, you know, right now we're in the dog days of basketball and I, and I can see our basketball players walk in the halls and, and they're, and they're dragging their rear end and, and practices seem for, take for long. And, uh, and he did just such a great job of planning practice. You, you know, he used to say, you know, he always said, we, you know, we're going to do a hard drill and we'll follow by an easy drill. I mean, and, and he kind of, instead of, you know, I think for a long time, I would, I would plan practice. You know, I'm going to do all my offensive fundamentals now, and then I'm going to do all my defensive breakdown now. And, um, he, he he didn't do it like that, and, and he kind of like you you would do a defensive breakdown, and you and you would be busting, and we'd be in their butt, and then we'd stop, and, and then they would go, and then they would and they would shoot. And we, we did a lot. Of, he always shot for at least twenty minutes a day, and um, and it was always a competitive. And I, I don't want you to think like little kid game competitive, but you know you tracked how many shots that you hit against your partner, and the loser ran. You know, so everything was always competitive and you were always paying attention uh, to to what you were doing. And, and you and you and there was consequences for mistakes and and, and and you tracked. You always knew how well you were shooting that day. And and then you you'd go back and you'd work on offensive execution and then you would stop and you'd come back and you maybe you'd you'd do ball handling or some um you know, some against pressure, I mean, drills, and you kind of, you kind of bounce practice back and forth and in practice, that was the first time, nothing against you, Wayne, <laughs> but that was the first time I've ever been part of a practice that I felt every day just flew by, you know, and it just flew by and it was, you got after it and it was, it wasn't just slop. It was, it was good work, but it flew by and you didn't feel like you were grinding. And I think you guys know, 
you've all been a part of practices, especially late in the year, it just feels like it grinds on and on. And we, I never felt like that with him. And, and I tried to simulate that as much as I could as a coach, but, you know, and we could talk more about that. Um, you know, how he broke that down. Yeah. I'd love to hear that. And that's something else I get asked a lot, a lot about uh, another guy who had a great approach to everything you just said was Dick Baumgartner. Is that Dick Baumgartner from Ball State? Uh, Dick Baumgartner, who ran the Baumgartner shooting camp forever, and his son okay. Rick was the head coach at Muncie South. Okay, yeah, okay. All right, so it's his son. Okay. No, what are you talking about? Yeah, Dick was the head coach at Richmond High School forever. Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, but yeah, well, we can... Just uh, let me know when you're ready to come back. And my goodness, this is, I, I'm excited about this. I'm excited. I got Pat Rady and I was going to ask you, uh, I'm glad I didn't forget. If you could facilitate something with Pat Rady, we'd love to get him on. You know, Pat Rady Jr. runs a podcast now uh, called Bourbon and Basketball. Yes. Yeah. I see yeah. it um, advertised. Yeah. So I, I, you know, Pat got out of coaching. I think maybe kind of the similar frustrations that we've talked about, but you know, he does a good job with that. And, um, you know, once again, a guy that just been around a, ba a basketball junkie, you know, he grew up with his dad and, and I don't know how Pat G or Pat senior, I haven't talked to him for many years, but, um, you know, reached out to Pat junior to see if he'd be interested. He's, he's, he's definitely an entertaining old guy. Yeah. I'd love to love, I'd love to have, have him on i'd love to so all right you let right. me know when Thank you're you, ready Rodney. yep hey we will we will we'll do so so you guys take care you all too. right thanks coach talk and soon. we'll talk soon wayne talk to you soon my man okay see you guys yeah.